Welcome to the Journal.ie's The Explainer, where every week we take a deep dive into a different news story. I'm Sinead O'Carroll, and this week, what is happening with the white water rafting plan for Dublin city centre? Before we get started today, we just want to say a massive thank you to all of you for listening to The Explainer. This is our 41st episode, and we've just been named as one of 2019's best listens by Apple Podcasts. That has happened because you have listened and rated us and reviewed. And if you haven't done that, it actually is the single most important thing you can do to support us. You can leave a rating and a review wherever you listen to your podcasts, and you can also share it with a friend who you think might like. Now, back to business. This is a really Dublin story, but no matter where you are in the country, you've probably heard people have an opinion on plans for a whitewater rafting facility to be built next to the Quays in the city centre. It has caused quite a stir, that's to put it mildly, since city councillors voted in favour of it and the journal.ie published the first exclusive pictures of what it will look like. As always with The Explainer, we're trying to take the noise away and just deal with the detail. So to do that, I'm joined for this episode by the Journal.ie's reporter who has been working on this story, Conor McCrave, Green Party Dublin City Councillor Patrick Costello and National Kayak Champion Samuel Curtis. We did ask Dublin City Council to provide someone for The Explainer and they said that they are not currently providing a spokesperson on this issue at the moment. So Conor, to you first. As I mentioned, everyone in the country has heard about this, but what exactly is in the plan for a whitewater rafting facility for Dublin? So just to say from the outset, whitewater rafting involves an inflatable raft paddled through the rapids of a river. It's also an Olympic sport. Uh, the canoe slalom is a sport where individuals compete to paddle a canoe through the rapids in the fastest possible time. So on one side, it's a competitive adventure sport and in other ways, it's a recreational outdoor activity. This proposal is to build a man-made facility replicating those rapids on George's Dock in the IFSC. We first heard about this proposal when it went before councillors on the Central Area Committee back in January. In August then, the Docklands Development Office formally submitted a planning application for that. It went back before committee members in November. It went for a vote before all council members on Dublin City Council on Monday this week. Um, Two thirds of councillors voted in favour of that and now it looks set to proceed. Let's just take some of the bits there. Um, Central Area Committee, who are they? What are they? Uh, the Central Area Committee uh, is one of a number of administrative committees. It's made up of 14 councillors from the various constituencies that make up the central area of the city. So that's from Condra, North Inner City and so on. And they meet every month to discuss issues relevant to those areas. So who wants to build this facility? The proposal was put forward by Docklands Development Office. So it's an arm of Dublin City Council, which is responsible for the development strategy of the Docklands region. So this is one arm of the City Council asking another arm of the City Council to allow them to build this facility. Exactly. It's called a Part 8 application. So it's part. It's Dublin City Council essentially applying to Dublin City Council for this facility to be developed. OK, you've told us it's on the Docklands, but what exactly is there right now? What does it look like? The proposal is to develop this facility on George's Dock. It's a protected structure that was previously used for events like Oktoberfest and Christmas markets. Um, if this is developed, it would see, if, if this proposal goes ahead or if these plans go ahead, it would see um, a reservoir of water for flat water training surrounded by a kayaking course. Um, two new buildings would be developed, one which would house the Docklands Development Office and the other which would be home to a reception centre and a storage facility for the whitewater rafting amenity. And what's the cost involved in building this? So the cost when this 
proposal was first put forward was estimated to be around 12 million. But that was back in January. And in that cost estimation, it excluded the design team fees and the construction of the two new buildings and a water treatment plant. All things considered, and with a revised plan, it's now coming in at around 22.8 million euro to develop the project. When news of this broke, you um, had the exclusive images of what this would look like. What was the reaction to it? There was a mixed reaction, I suppose. The the reaction from sports and community groups who are involved in kayaking or canoeing uh, came out in favour of it. Dublin City or Dublin Fire Brigade also come out in favour of it because they see this as something they can use as a training resource for emergency crews, not just for Dublin Fire Brigade, but for crews nationally. Um, on the other side of it, then we had some councillors that come out um, who were opposed to this facility being developed. Um, they cited concerns around the cost, um, the increase from 12 million to 22.8 million uh, as one issue, and also questioned whether those funds could be directed to other areas such as housing or um, infrastructure projects and things like that. And is that possible? Could the money go from the plans for this? facility and be moved into something like housing? Well, as it stands, um, there are a number of funding streams involved with this project. Um, The the majority of funding is expected to come from grants. So there are sports and recreation grants. um, There's a swift water training grant that's available, um, provided that the facility is made available to emergency services. Um, And that, all all things considered, the grants make up around 13 million of the required funding for this project. In addition to that, then there's development levies. So development levies are essentially a levy on new developments which the council receives and then is earmarked to develop new facilities and amenities in the areas around those developments. So around five million is expected to come from that. And as I said, that is earmarked for um, facilities and amenities. So it wouldn't necessarily be available to other projects such as housing development plans and so on. I suppose the final stream of funding expected for this project is coming from a capital reserve. So that's generally just funding that's, that's available to the council um, for capital projects like this one. Just to be super clear, the money, the 22 million that's going to be spent on that, could that be spent on housing? Because that's one of the big concerns here. We're in the middle of a housing crisis and people want to see money spent in that area. Only a small proportion of the funding that's needed for this project could actually be spent on housing or other projects. So the development levies, they have to be spent on developing community facilities and amenities. Um, The grants, they're earmarked for sports and recreation and for, as I mentioned, the swift water training. Um, So the capital reserve uh, funding is the only stream of funding that would be available to other projects. But that's only five million in a project that's costing 22.8 million. And indeed, the development levies are dockland development levies. Quite often, the development levies are paid by developers and go into a general development levy pot. But because this is in the docklands, they can only be spent in the Docklands. Uh, This is part of the legislation for the Dockland Development Authority. So they're even more limited in what they can be spent on. So ultimately, the development levies, the Dockland development levies should be spent on facilities in the Docklands for the local community. And it's facilities, not anything else. It's it's amenities and leisure. Amenities, leisure, or, you know, um, infrastructure upgrades. It wouldn't be a a cycle track, not a housing. Patrick, the, a lot of the news came after councillors um, green-lighted this, essentially, um, and voted for it. Um, what were the numbers at the... So this is the, the, the council yeah, so as a whole. Of the 63 councillors, 37 voted in favour of it, 19 voted against, and three abstained, uh, which leaves four who weren't in the room. 
And you were among the those who voted no. Yeah, no, I voted against it. Like, I think it's an interesting project and it does have some positives. It's not, I don't think it's the complete white elephant It's it's been made out to be. Uh, there's some very emotional responses to it and I can understand that anger. But I don't think it's as bad as it's been made out to be. But still, at the end of the day, I don't think it's an appropriate community facility in that location. And there were concerns and questions I didn't feel were answered appropriately. So what concerns were they? For me, the Markovic pool is closing. Just explain to our listeners what the Markovic pool is. So the Markovic uh, swimming pool is a swimming pool run by Dublin City Council on the south side of the River Liffey. It's in a building with the apartments above it, all of which is used to be demolished to make way for the metro. So this is a Dublin City Council building that Dublin City Council have built, have recently upgraded uh, and run for the whole community. And this is closing. So that's a huge loss. And this was just a normal swimming pool where anyone could come and swim. So what I wanted to see was something that was much more of a community-wide resource and could be used by anyone. We had no clarity on how people with disabilities or, impair, you know, mobility impairments might be able to use this pool. Uh, we had no clarity on how the community were going to be able to use it, what the cost of the community would be. And there was even no clarity if this would be, it was in demand from the community. And I think what really would, for me, what would have been a better use of these development levies that have to be spent in the docklands on leisure facilities would be something like the Lidones in England, which are these heated outdoor pools. And it's much more accessible for, for, for old, for young, for the infirm, for the disabled, for people with mobility issues, you know, and it's much more of a, a, a community resource. You know, there was also for me a concern around the insurance. So the budget this year was quite difficult. And one of the problems with our budget was an 11 million increase in our insurance bill. And there was no clarity of how this rather dangerous thing was going to impact on our insurance bill. And the issue of the suggestion of the Lido had been looked at by the council and they said, oh, it would be it wouldn't work. But without much explanation, why? And there was insurance concerns there as well. But again, you know, if there's insurance concerns there, why is there not insurance concerns with a giant rapid of water, you know? On the the 37 people who did vote for it, what were their main reasons um, for giving it the green light? I think think the, the most compelling argument for it was the one put forward by Dublin Fire Brigade. Dublin Fire Brigade attended the chamber and gave an excellent presentation on the type of facility that they use for training and the type of facility this will be. And this is the this is the thing that why I think it's actually, you know, there are many positives to a facility like this. There is at the minute, there is no swift water uh, training facility in this country. Most of Dublin Fire Brigade go over to Wales and this would provide access to a high quality training facility. Part of it includes a mock-up of a street that they can flood and you can run exercises and drills in this in this flooded street with flooded buildings. You can have the water flowing through that fast, you can have it stagnant but deep, these kind of things. You know, you can provide um, training not just to Dublin Fire Brigade but to the Civil Defence, Guards, the Army, the National Ambulance Service, fire brigades from Belfast, fire brigades from Cork, you know, it's from everywhere in between as well. So it provides a really strong training resource and a joint training resource, getting everyone together to do the same drills in the same place kind of thing. 
I just feel that a facility like that could have been built somewhere that's not in the city centre, that's crying out for community facilities. So, and for me, it felt that certainly the justification and the presentation from the council lent heavily into the issue of the fire training side of it, which made me one question, was this more about providing a fire training thing than providing a community resource? And again, that was one of my concerns. Will this be a proper community resource? And again, like it's the same with the, the kayaking aspect of it. Yes, this would be excellent for from a sports development perspective, from a sports excellence perspective to help us chase Olympic gold medals. But does that need to be in the city centre? You know, if we were to build something like this and access the Swift Water Grants, but also access training for, you know, money from the Department of Justice for the Guards, Department of uh, Defence for the Army, you know, um, get contributions from other fire brigades around the country who were also going to be using it. And we could have built it somewhere outside on the edge of the city that would have had more room, more space and be less competing for space. Do the people in the city centre then not lose out if everything is built outside of the city centre and nothing is built in the city centre? What I would like to see is that space used for a proper community resource, something like a Lido or a proper swimming pool that is much more accessible to the general community. And I think a community service like that would have been much better to put in in George's dock. And then a service like the the training and the rapids training for, for sports people to be maybe out in Abbottstown with our other training facilities and sports excellence things or, you know, further up the river towards Luke and things like that. Do we know what people in the community, I know there's been a lot of commentary from councillors from politicians, from people on social media, but do we know what people who actually live in the area want to happen with that space? Well, the, the public consultation was quite weak. There was very, very little response from it, you know, and I think the people in the community want a resource that they can use, you know, and I think certainly from, from talking to some of my colleagues, that's what they were hearing, that people wanted something that they could use and they felt that the whitewater rafting wouldn't be broadly open to all. My understanding is that there were more than 20 submissions received in relation to this particular project. They came from not necessarily groups in the immediate area, but from uh, kayak and, and canoeing clubs who say they don't have access to a facility like this in Ireland at the minute. They say, I mean, David Henry of the Silverbridge Kayak Club said he's been travelling to Britain for uh, training and for preparation for expeditions further afield. Uh, Damien Byrne, he's chair of the National Canoe Polo Committee, and he described it as an excellent facility and somewhere for beginners to, to learn basic skills uh, and potentially move into this this area of, of water sports and adventure sports full time. In terms of who the facility would be made available to, my understanding at this stage is that it would be open from early in the morning till late in the evening. It would be open to everybody essentially, um, and that would be a mixture of sports clubs, that's kayaking clubs, canoeing clubs. Um, as I said, there was a number of submissions from those type of groups from, from across the country who are willing to travel for this facility. Um, Derek Kelly, he's manager of the Docklands area office, and he said that it would be open to community groups as well. Um, so that's local youth clubs, that's schools and so on. Um, and that provisions would be made for that. And then addition, in addition to that, then it obviously would be a major tourist attraction and that would probably make up the bulk of um, the visitors to this type of a facility. The George's Dock is located right beside the CHQ building, which is home to the Epic Emigration Museum. And at present, that's attracting upwards of 100,000 visitors per year. Derek Kelly said that he expects 
36,000 people at least will visit this. Um, and he said that was a conservative estimate of how many people would use this every single year. So is this seen as a profit-making enterprise? They did say that based on the current estimation that it would turn a profit in year two. So that was to pacify concerns that 23 million euros shouldn't be invested in this type of facility and should be directed elsewhere. He said, well, in year two, we're actually going to have be running a surplus on this facility and it will essentially pay for itself. What are those projections based on? I presume much of the work done in preparing this report and the application that was submitted to the council was based on a similar facility in Cardiff. Um, it's it's considered a world-class international facility um, and it hosts international uh, events and competitions. It opened back in 2010 to the public. It was built at a cost of £13 million at the time and it has at present, according to Mr. Kelly, 86,000 visitors per year to that facility. So, I mean, 36,000 as an estimate for our facility here in Dublin and looking abroad to see that upwards of 80,000 visitors are visiting the Cardiff facility um, would have factored into that. Um, So probably a good time to bring in Samuel Curtis, um, Ireland's canoe slalom champion, um, just to talk about the, the sporting aspect of this. Samuel, uh, this whitewater rafting facility um, that has been uh, planned for Dublin, is it something that you have been waiting for? Is it something that you particularly wanted? It's, to be honest, something I never thought I would get a chance to experience in Ireland. That for what I'm training on at the moment, it is not up to an international standard. So having an international standard course in Ireland would completely change my ability to train in the country and my ability to represent Ireland from Ireland. So what water do you train on right now? Currently I train on the Liffey in Lucan, which has been developed to a degree for slalom specifically, just by moving some rocks around and putting up our specific training gates. But it's not up to the international standard that we race on, that we race on whitewater artificial courses like it will hopefully be built at George's Dock. But for Ontario at the moment, it isn't up to the standard. You mentioned there it's in George's Dock. Um, some people might think it's counterintuitive to have an elite training um, facility in the middle of the city centre. Is that going to cause you issues that that's where your training will be? For the benefits that I'm going to get from the facilities are vastly going to outweigh any potential issues. But Additionally from this, that it would need to be in a location like this for us to be able to run international events, which this course is going to enable us to do. And is that something that you will think will happen with the uh, canoe associations that are set up there? Are they equipped to hold such um, events? I'd imagine so, yeah. That I think for Ireland to get the chance to host an international World Cup, potentially, I think anything and everything will be done to actually make that happen because it would be incredibly, it would be incredibly proud for Canoeing Ireland and for myself to represent Ireland at an international event in Ireland. We have had people go to the Olympics um, with canoe slalom, even though we don't have a facility here. So is there actually much benefit of this if if it's something that we're able to do anyway? I would say the people who've gone have gone despite the lack of facilities here and not not anything as a result of that. that I know a lot of them have had to spend nearly two-thirds of the year abroad training on these proper courses. And even our current Olympic representative, Liam Jagu, lives in France where he has access to these courses, which is the main reason that they've gone. They've gone despite the lack of a course here, having to train on the ones abroad. So it would be great to be able to see 
people train in Ireland and develop in Ireland to go to these go to these Olympic Games. How often do you train outside of Ireland? Uh, personally, near, nearly that much. That this year alone for the World Championships leading up to the Olympic qualification, I had to move to Spain for three months to train at the World Championship venue, and then spent maybe a month at home and then was back and forth the entire summer so I can train in our facilities. Um, what are your training when you are at home? What are your training facilities like? You mentioned the Liffey there that it's been moved around a lot but what are the training facilities there like? The the course itself is okay but we have zero amenities and facilities. That I, I throw my boat in a cold container down there and get changed out of the boot of a car really. So for the level I'm competing at it my support isn't reflective of the level I'm competing at where I have no amenities or facilities really purely just I have a river and a boat and just do the best that I can with those. What level are you at at the moment? Currently I'm racing senior international that I was just come home from the senior world championships was racing the uh, all of the world cup series and I'm I'm ideally going to be at a level either now or in the near future to represent Ireland at the Olympic Games. Would you think your chances of making the next the Olympics, so obviously 2024, um, would be greater if this was built by 2022? Considerably, vastly improved. That I know per- personally, speaking from my own sporting experience and my own strengths and weaknesses, that physically I'm extremely extremely in good shape like exactly where I need to be because we have the flat water in Ireland that I can just work hard I have no excuse not to be as fit as anybody but my technical level isn't where it needs to be because I don't get the, I don't have the facility put in as much time on proper white water as they do abroad so I would say it would massively increase my likelihood of representing Ireland in Paris 2024 which is would be a dream come true for me it would, it would allow me to chase my dream to a much greater degree and much more much more effectively than I am now. A lot of people say we don't need this in Ireland, that it's kind of a ridiculous idea to put a whitewater rafting facility in Dublin. What would you say to those that argument? I would say that it's it's not it's not an expenditure, it's an investment. That if it is put there, it's put there to invest in the likes of myself and all everyone who I train with who's currently representing Ireland at the high level and investing in the future of the sport that this can only drive up participation and drive up the performance on a high performance side of, of Ireland's athletes, which Ireland being a very proud sporting country, I think it'd be a great thing to do to do everything we can to support our athletes and to develop more so we can get the better results at the Olympic Games to to even follow what rowing's doing, the like with the, with their current investment. How many people at the moment take part in canoe slalom at senior or at uh, underage levels? So the current Irish canoe slalom team is, I would, I think it's about 10 athletes who are, anyone who is currently on the international team competes very well for our facilities uh, abroad and are deve- and we're currently developing, we have a development pipeline coming through as well. I don't know the exact numbers, but it is a small sport in Ireland, but with the proper facilities, we can develop participation and performance in the country. Have you been to the facility in Cardiff, Samuel? I have. I've been there for training. I've, I've raced two World Cup races there. And is it something that, is that something similar to what you would like to see in Dublin? Uh, it, it would be incredible if that was in Dublin. That's, it is of a standard to host World Cups, to host international level events. So it's exactly the standard that I need to be training on. Patrick, we heard there from Samuel about the real tangible benefits of something like this to someone like him. But if we bring it back to the community, um, what are your thoughts on what will happen there? 
yes, the Dockland said, oh, it'll be open to the community through clubs and stuff. But it didn't, we didn't, I certainly didn't get enough explanation for me to be happy to go ahead and endorse this of, you know, what the cost to the community would be. And it is a community that is in a deprived area. You know, what would the cost to the community be? How would they be able to access it? Particularly if they're going to be getting it at a cheaper cost and you have the tourists, the stags, the hens who are, you know, availing of at full cost. Yeah, ahead of the the vote on at Monday's meeting, um, there was about an hour long debate in relation to this facility. And one of the concerns that was raised, as as Patrick mentioned, was how much would this cost individuals mem- individual members of the community to access it. Um, the, the Cardiff facility is is charging at around seventy euro per person per go. Uh, Mr. Kelly, Derek Kelly, again at that meeting alluded to a price around fifty five euro to access it whether or not that would be set in, in in stone or whether that would be potentially fluctuate up and down, we don't know at this stage. Um, but that was the, the price range that was cited at this stage. You mentioned the use of it by um, the Dublin Fire Brigade and maybe other um, agencies would use it as well. Um, the money that they, they currently spend on training, would that then go into the facility or where would that money or it would just be a free facility? Or do you know much about the Dublin Fire Brigade use of, of it at all? I'm not... F- fully aware of what funding would be directed towards the facility from Dublin Fire Brigade specifically. I know originally it wasn't, they didn't factor in the Swiftwater training grant that's available to them, but following, I assume, consultation with Dublin Fire Brigade, um, that was they were made aware of that and that was factored into the cost estimation at this stage. Um, I should say Dublin Fire Brigade have been, as, as Patrick mentioned as well, one of the strongest supporters of this type of facility. Um, Greg O'Dwyer, he's Assistant Chief uh, Fire Officer with Dublin Fire Brigade, spoke to councillors earlier this week and he said that crew members at the minute are using the upper Liffey to train um, in this particular area in Swiftwater training and there's been incidents where members of crew have fallen ill, where there isn't a sufficient quantity of water available and that's based on, on rainfall and it's weather dependent, whereas this type of facility, he said, would have would be permanently accessible to them. I know the plans at this stage is to block off certain parts of the weekly schedule and make the facility available to emergency crews um, so they would also have that element of it as well. It's a guaranteed resource. So that was their um, it has to be, though, admitted that it's quite concerning that the, our fire brigade are getting in the, the Liffey up at Lucan and coming out sick. And it really begs questions as to the state of the Liffey and what's going on. And particularly like in the upper reaches of the Liffey there, you know, that, that it is making the mill. Like and I know and the we heard from Samuel there that he's training as well on the Liffey. Just to go back to where this facility would actually be in Dublin, um, Patrick, in terms of the built environment, I think one of the things that people really reacted to was just the look of this facility. Um, Was that discussed at the meeting? Um, There was some concerns from some councillors raised over that. Um, Not just just the look of it, but how it would fit in because there was, you know, again, one of my uh, other Green colleagues was asking for clarity in relation to the water treatment plant, the water, where would it go? Does it flow through is it self-contained does they dump it out uh, one of the things the fire brigade were saying was that they can dump water out of the rapids very quickly if there's an emergency during the training for example but again where's that going are they dumping that in the liffey and as we're just saying the liffey's already filthy do we really want to be putting more into it so there was a lack of clarity over that kind of stuff and the other then and tangential or but related environmental concern was the energy usage like these things take huge energy usage and how you know 
in terms of of our own carbon emissions and energy use, is this really the best thing for a community facility to have those high levels of energy usage and to be used constantly like that? And I don't think it is. But I think that really there are community facilities that would have been less visually intrusive and would have fitted in easier with that kind of heritage of the docks. Um, in terms of next steps, like the, this has been given the go ahead. So no matter what criticism or, or concerns we're hearing, um, it is going ahead, Connor. I mentioned that it was a party at application. So essentially Dublin City Council um, applying to itself for application to build this project. Um, what, what happens there is that it has to, a report is done and it goes before all members of the council. That happened this week almost two thirds voted in favour. So there's a majority in favour of it. Um, So that's considered to have the green light now to go ahead and have been given planning permission to go ahead. The next steps then will, the project will go out to procurement um, and contractors, um, two contractors ahead of construction, which is expected to begin um, in the second half of next year. The plans at this stage is to have it up and running by 2022. So two years down the line or so. um, And at that stage, then we'll know more detail in terms of opening and who's who's able to access it. Very Irish question to finish it off, Patrick. Is it going to happen? Connor's given us what the next steps should be, but is that going to well, be Well, there's many, many a slip between cup and lip. And I think, you know, there are plenty of times where a developer will get planning permission and a building won't happen for a variety of reasons. And I think, you know, the procurement could be a real trip hazard for a project like this. And that's where you'll see you have the risks of unforeseen costs or cost spiralling all over again. And that could really put the kibosh on the whole thing. So... I would, I would, um, I'd hate to answer that question. It's a bit too hypothetical, but I think watch the procurement and what happens at the end of the procurement very closely. Okay, maybe an easier question. Could it be appealed? Could this decision be appealed? The planning permission can be appealed, yes, but it's a very expensive process through judicial review. Um, I had, Part eight can't be appealed to on board Planola is my understanding. So if you appeal it by judicial review, it's a very long and risky process. Um, but I would see that the, 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 the greater risk is that the costs continue to escalate or that the procurement throws a spanner in the works. Right. Well, I think we did very well sticking to not having a debate on it. And I think we got all the facts out, even though, Patrick, you, you were a no voter on it. Um, thanks very much, Connor and Patrick. No worries. Thank you for listening to The Explainer and a big thank you to Patrick, Connor and Samuel for their work on this show. Just a reminder before we go about another podcast from thejournal.ie. Stardust, a six-part special, looks back on St. Valentine's Night in Dublin 1981 when 48 young people lost their lives in a nightclub fire. Hearing from the bereaved, the first responders and those who have been fighting for justice, reporter Sean Murray and the team ask, how did Ireland handle such a tragedy? And was much of what happened in the four decades since dictated by class? All six episodes are now available wherever you listen to your podcasts. This episode of The Explainer was brought to you by executive producer Christine Bohan, producer Aoife Barry and assistant producer and tech operator Nikki Ryan. If you're enjoying the episodes, please leave us a review and rating wherever you listen to your podcasts. And more importantly, share with a friend who you think will enjoy them. Thank you and catch you next time. Thank you.